Hello everyone, Mac from the future here. During the recording of this episode, we ran into an issue where halfway through our recording session, my mic just stopped recording. Isn't technology grand? It happens partway through discussing episode 2, so I'm going to pop back into my time machine here and meet you back at that moment. I'll then tell you all the points I made for the rest of that episode. I'll then do that after each of Caleb's episode recaps. And in the meantime, you'll just have to deal with Caleb's half of the conversation. Cut down so you don't have any large gaps. If that sounds like an awful time and you'd rather skip this episode, we totally understand. You can join us next week on a quick trip through space and time, in which we get to see the episode that pushes Patrick Troughton's acting chops further than they've ever been in The Enemy of the World. But for now, I'm going to head back into my TARDIS that's taken the shape of a taco stand for some reason, and meet you later in the episode. Enjoy! Hey, look at the snow! Oh no, not again! Tibet was bad enough, but I think you put us down just further up the mountain. Well, let's see, shall we? Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who beginner and a Doctor Who veteran go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we are talking about the Ice Warriors. That's correct. Oh, thank God. The The Ice Warriors was written by Brian Hales, directed by Derek Martinus, and produced by Eines Lloyd. And it aired November 11th, 1967 to December 12th, 1967. This is not the first time that we've uh, encountered a story written by good Mr. Hales. I have mixed feelings. (laughs) Because he wrote The Celestial Toymaker and The Smugglers. Hmm... I don't really remember much of the smugglers, and I remember the Celestial Toymaker had good ideas that it couldn't execute on. I think he was just held back in the Celestial Toymaker, because they were like, no, you can't make 1960s Saw. You have to you have to scale that back. It's like, fine, the guy will just die for no reason. That's true. That is also the episode that was completely fucked over by the previous producer. I do remember oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But this is the third episode that we've uh, we've dealt with Brian Hales, and is also the third episode that is an audio drama. (laughs) (sighs) I am looking forward to this for multiple reasons. Uh, The main one being that after we're done with this, it's just going to be video from here on out. It's mostly on BritBox, and the ones that aren't on BritBox, I specifically got on DVD. Woo! Yeah. But, uh, Caleb... Given everything you know about Doctor Who, and given the title of this episode, The Ice Warriors, what do you think this episode is going to be about? Uh, I don't know. After wanting to go somewhere warmer, the Doctor goes in the opposite direction and lands on the, the formerly known planet, or formerly planet Pluto, where they meet very cold people and they're like man we're so cold and you're warm-blooded and we're pissed about it and they have to uh fight for their lives as they make their way back to the tardis it's gonna be the most violent episode of classic who 
Okay. Okay. Well, you're probably 100% on the money about it being uh they need to get back to the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> they do definitely need to get back to the TARDIS because that's every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gaming the system at this point. <laughs> My prediction is the doctor will find a problem that isn't his and stick his nose in it and then leave when he solves it. My God. Really breaking new ground here. (laughs) Caleb with the 100% accurate episode after episode. (laughs) Except that one where the doctor, where it actually was the doctor's problem. Which one was that? It's not here yet. It'll happen someday. It's not here yet. (laughs) Give it time. Give it time. We're working up to it. It's got to develop, you know? It's got to be organic. (laughs) This is the third episode in a row that has to do with a cold place, though. Because Tomb had the, like... Oh, the ice room. Yeah, the really cold tomb that was containing the Cybermen. And then we were just in the Himalayas. And now we're... (laughs) That is also cold. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm... I think Ein's Lloyd was just very sweaty. He's like, let's go somewhere cold. <laughs> that tomb of, tomb of the Cybermen set was expensive. Let's go outside. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Nature set. And with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was four days for us. Go us. Yeah, we did good. Six episodes in four days. That's a good clip. Yeah, yeah. Again, we're trying to knock him out as much as we possibly can so we can have a backlog before the holidays hit us. Yes, and I was a good boy. I actually sort of kind of watched it spread out. I am genuinely proud of you for that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one quick post-view note before we start getting into stuff is that this is... Shock of all shocks. The episode called The Ice Warriors is the first appearance of the Ice Warriors. Moving on. From here on, it will be the legend of the Ice Warriors. (laughs) The fate of the Ice Warriors. Actually, um, I don't want to, like, say anything definitively, but I'm pretty sure all episodes that involve the Ice Warriors do not have the word Ice Warriors in its name. Boo. If you're going to do it, be consistent. (laughs) The bankruptcy of the Ice Warriors. (laughs) The ennui of the Ice Warriors. <laughs> the gang goes to Mars. <laughs> oh my god. The gang gets a TARDIS would be the most <laughs> hilarious fucking thing. Oh man. Anyway, nothing can possibly live up to the gang gets a TARDIS, but Caleb, what are your general thoughts about the Ice Warriors before we really dive in? Yeah, I liked it. Well, as much as I can like an audio drama. My complaints about it are more or less the same as I have on all the audio dramas, but I do like the villains in this one. I like the Doctor's, like, frankly smug and condescending attitude the whole time. <laughs> I need more of that. It's much better It's much better than the Obama Snowman. It still has the issues of, like, you know, we're going to go here for a little bit, then we're going to go there, then we're going to go back here. But um, it's way more tolerable this time. And I don't know, it moved at a surprisingly good clip. I felt like a lot was going on. Yeah, I definitely liked it more than the last one, but that's not really much of an achievement. I, I also really like the villain, and uh, overall I enjoyed it. That being said, this is our 10th Second Doctor episode, which means that the uh, 
uh, Venn diagram has officially separated and we have a clearly defined top five and bottom five. For what it's worth, it does find itself in the bottom five at the moment, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, that's just because the second Doctor... has had like several very good adventures. He's he's had very few misses, which is very appreciated. And I feel like we're tempting fate. I feel like the further along we go in the second Doctor's adventure, the the worse that the inevitable bad episode is going to be. <laughs> that uh, that episode quality karma is building up exactly, exactly, <laughs> and not in the way we want it to. <laughs> Uh, and just to clarify, Mac has a top and bottom five. I will eventually. Yeah, yeah. You you don't define yours until like the day before we're film we're uh, recording. The doctor is out. Yes, the day before. Yes, I definitely <laughs> sleep in between making the list <laughs> and recording the episode. <laughs> but yeah. We want to go ahead and dive right in? Oh, yeah. I guess I should read the episode. Yeah, I guess huh? you should do your fucking job, Caleb. No. I'm on strike currently. And join us next time on a quick trip through space <laughs> and time. <laughs> Where Mac hires a scam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. We're already off the rails. Episode one. The episode opens on some scientists as they work on a weird machine. Two of them. Jan, Garrett, and Clint argue a lot before they talk to their computer. The computer talks a lot, but I have no fucking idea what it says. (laughs) The machine is called an ionizer, and I guess they need it to melt some ice. Cut to a man named Arden, who is out in the glacial wastelands. He and his partner discover some guy frozen in the ice, and they think it's a viking. The TARDIS materializes in some snow, and Jamie isn't convinced they have gone very far at all. The travelers find a weird dome and make their way inside. As they explore, an evacuation alarm goes off and they're given badges telling them where to go. Victoria wants to leave, but the doctor is adamant about finding out what is going on. He finds his way to the computer room and starts bossing people around, which pisses Clint off. After passing a pop quiz, the travelers learn that they are in the middle of a second ice age because of reverse climate change. Arden rolls in his frozen viking, but something about the warrior seems off. As the thing is melted, the doctor disappears to talk to Clint. Jimmy tries to flirt with Victoria, and that's when the creature starts to move. I like that basically the entire conflict that starts at the beginning of this episode is we were all just so worried about global warming, we never saw global freezing coming. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the first thing. So, like, they explain it in detail later in the episode, but, like, they, uh invented like artificial food or something and that made crops irrelevant and the dramatic drop in carbon in the atmosphere (laughs) caused a uh second ice age which is such a fucking uno reversal it's such fucking bullshit because and one of my notes later is uh that doesn't sound right but i don't know enough about science to refute it but uh take my guy who did not do well in science opinion here. Wouldn't removing plants mean there's more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? I, I think it's more because like agriculture is like one of the biggest contributors to climate change, but it's not so much because of the crops, but like the process to make them. Okay, we will now never discuss this again because it's so stupid and doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> it, it's it's just an Uno reverse card on climate change. <laughs> Uh, I laughed. I, like when I heard it, I thought it was like genuinely funny. <laughs> it was amazing. It's the best part of the whole episode. I was also digging the very classic sci-fi music. 
Yeah, no, actually, I, I, the music is always like really hit and miss for me, but I love the music in this episode. It's so like eerie. You're like, ooh, what's going on? I thought it would be more of a horror themed episode, kind of the way it was going. It was very eerie, but also very, very. If I were to make a parody of classic '60s sci-fi, this is the music I would use. Oh, one hundred percent. But that's why. That's kind of why I love it. So now we're just getting into like the actual camp I like, and not like cringe. Yeah. On the note of you having absolutely no idea what the fuck the computer is saying at any given time, uh, one of my notes is, oh, no, that's not what the computer sounds like, is it? <laughs> yeah, because it straight up sounds like someone, like, fucking, like, doing their taxes and then... Yeah, like, it is, it is very marbled and computerized in a way that they were not equipped to deal with back then <laughs> so <laughs> yeah it was very obnoxious thankfully like it does a lot in this episode and the next episode but then we don't even hear it again until, like the sixth episode yeah but yeah but that was something and uh there has been this precedent set for a while that like there's like an opening scene that establishes the conflict before the doctor and the companions arrive mm-hmm. but this scene was especially long it was it was very establishy it was like six or seven minutes, I think. And I was like, oh my god, the, the Doctor still isn't in the, hasn't appeared in his own fucking show yet. Yeah, it, and it was also establishing stuff that was happening in various locations, like in the command room with Clint the Tool and then out there with uh, the Frozen Ice Warrior. Are they just, are they just warriors when they're not frozen? Yeah, I guess they would. There's nothing, nothing, nothing else about them is ice, you know. They never say what their species name is. One of the excavators is like, "Oh, proper ice warrior, isn't he, sir?" And then they just stick with that. Oh <laughs> uh, no, 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 Mac. They they do say they're from Mars. They say they're from Mars. That makes them Martians. I guess. I'm gonna be pissed if there's another villain called the Martians. Not to my knowledge, I'm pretty sure the fact that the Ice Warriors are the natives of Mars is, like, surprisingly consistent through all of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> Big, long establishment scene. Computer makes no sense. Clint kind of starts off just being a dickhead and then remains that way through this whole arc. I was, I was waiting. I was waiting for him to have some sort of character arc or die and, because of his own foolish actions. And neither, neither happens. <laughs> he is a dick at the beginning, and he is a dick at the end. <laughs> I know. Even after spoilers, the doctor wins. But even at the end, he's like really indignant about everything. And then he's like, "Now where's that doctor fellow?" And he turns, and they're just already gone. They're already done with his shit. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, they get there. The TARDIS finally materializes. Like ten fucking minutes into this episode, and Jamie steps out, and he's like, "Well, we haven't gone anywhere, Doctor." <laughs> Yeah, he says. Then we. He says that they just went a little bit ways down the mountain. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, something like that. No, I don't think so. I love that the TARDIS lands and then immediately falls over. So they have like this comedy routine of like trying to climb out of the TARDIS and like climbing over each other and trying to. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure that this physical comedy routine that the three of them are doing is actually very funny and once i get the dvd eventually i look forward to watching it <laughs> but my god it's just a bunch of bumbling around listening to it yeah so they get out and they kind of just make their way to the base mm -hmm. there's an evacuation going on 
and I don't remember why, it's because they can't turn the ionizer on or something. They have this like big ray gun thing that melts the ice. Yeah, and the glacier is... Oh, that's right, the glacier's coming in on them. Yeah, it's moving in fast. That glacier's moving a whole five miles a year. Get out of the way. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> exaggerated scene from Austin Powers. No! <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, so they get in. The doctor obviously just makes his way to like where the leaders are and just starts taking charge. As he does. He goes in and he's like, turn that lever, twist that knob. You, get me a coffee. Uh, Jamie says, Polly's not here. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clint isn't having it and then everything works. And they get the ionizer working and they melt the ice. And Clint is not grateful. He's just kind of a dickhead about it. Because he didn't ask the computer first. He oh, needs yes, to ask right. the computer first. Computer, should I inhale? Yes. <gasps> computer, should I exhale? Yes. <sighs> That's so funny. I was just thinking, I swear, someday I am going to make memes on our Twitter about the episodes. You haven't but made a sw- meme on our Twitter <laughs> since the Daleks, Caleb. I'm going to. I'm going to, I swear. <laughs> if you do, I'm going to demand that you retroactively go back and make a meme for every single episode we've passed by. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Uh, I've been uninspired lately, but I got inspired for this one because I, <laughs> I, I want to make a meme of the magic conch from Spongebob. Yes, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> the conch, what should we do? Nothing. That is exactly what happens in like episode four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually it is. Try asking again. Can I have something to eat? No. No. <laughs> They get taken in, and then the doctor shows how much of a big brain he is, and so they want to give him a test to figure out if he belongs in this in this colony to help out with the scientists. And they say, if you fail the test, you'll be evacuated with all the others. And Jamie says, where to? And they say, to one of our rehabilitation centers in Africa. And then Victoria says, oh no, not Africa! And there was like, a slight pause after she said that, and I choose to believe that everyone just kind of like gave her a side eye, and then was like, anyway. <laughs> the uh, the highly advanced uh, Ice Age scientists were like, this racist bitch. God, she talks like she's from Victorian England. And then the, the doctor, like an absolute champion, is just like given this problem and he's like, oh, oh, gosh, I, I, I don't know. This is this is so little time. I'm not sure I can come up with an answer. And uh, and it's like five, four, three, two. And then he gives the answer. And it's correct because <laughs> he was clearly just waiting. I was like, oh, oh, I got I'm sorry. I, I mean, I know the answer, but I have to wait until there's only a second left. Otherwise, it's not dramatic. And and if I answer too soon, like everyone will stop looking at me. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> <laughs> the doctor is just very insecure and just has to constantly have attention on him. But we, we got to get to the main part of this episode, which is just Jamie absolutely failing to hit on Victoria. <laughs> Because, like, everyone leaves, and, like, the ice guy is, like, slowly thawing out. And Jamie's like, so how about those other women's outfits? And Victoria's like, oh, I know. And he's like, yeah. Do you want to wear something like that? And she's like, no. He's like, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) Because, like, yeah, of course, it's horrible. Like, you wouldn't want to. 
but like you would look good in it. <laughs> now I have to see just how horny these Ice Age scientist outfits are. I am curious. Is it just like a slightly above the knee kind of skirt or something? Because I can't imagine they had like plunging necklines or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, it's the middle of the Ice Age. So naturally all the uh, all the female scientists are wearing fishnet dresses. <laughs> gotta stay warm yeah 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 fishnet repels cold didn't you know it insulates (laughs) jamie just being a an absolute chad just being like so i mean i know we talked about how you were uncomfortable in your short skirt earlier but like you've gotten over that right i mean we've had a couple of adventures since then so like i don't know (laughs) I don't know. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about wearing something at least as short as a kilt? And they're just so distracted with the really shitty flirting. They do not see the monster just thawing in the background. (laughs) Thawing so much he's starting to, my god, move. (laughs) And then the episode ends. And then the episode ends. All in all, a a pretty good opening episode, I think. Yeah, I think so. I have no other notes, so I guess I'll move on to episode two. Yeah. All right, episode two. The Thing beats up Jamie and takes Victoria. The Doctor tells Clant and Arden that he thinks the Thing is an alien, and that means that there might be a spaceship nearby hidden in the ice. The Ice Warrior, whose name is Varga, is from Mars, and his ship crashed and was frozen millennia ago. He wants Victoria to help him find his ship, but whether he wants to leave or conquer the Earth just depends on his vibe. Jamie and Arden are sent out to find Victoria while she is coerced into helping Varga escape. Out on the glacier, Varga and Victoria find more of the Ice Warriors, and Varga thaws them with his sonic gun. My first note is, gee, I wonder if the people depending on depending so much on the computer is going to bite them in the ass. That felt like it was going to be the crux of the story. And it kind of was, but not nearly as much as I thought it was going to. Yeah, it was very much like a background thing. I was kind of surprised, because like, there's a whole other subplot that like vaguely gets mentioned in the next episode that just gets dropped the rest of the time. It's something about, like, because, like, there's two other, like, runaway guys I haven't mentioned yet because they're not relevant. Yeah, they're not relevant yet. (laughs) They're hiding out in the wastelands, I guess. And um, they get confronted by the female scientist, Garrett, I think her name was. Does that happen this episode? No, that happens in the next episode. Okay. I was just kind of setting it up for the emphasis that it doesn't get dropped, that it gets dropped. But they're like, we don't want to be computerized. And then she shoots one of them, I think. And then that never gets mentioned again. Uh, so I'm telling you now, so you can forget about it later, because it is not relevant. It literally never gets brought up again. But I think one of the big themes of this is because of their dependence on the computer, they're not really used to taking any sort of actual action. And so there's a scene where like all of them are standing around and talking about the theories and how they might be aliens, or they might not be, or uh, there might be a ship nearby, or there might not be, or or they they might uh, be able to help, or they might not, or something, 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 blah 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 blah. And then Jamie's just like, "Hi, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chime in real quick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, don't mind me, but uh, a girl's been kidnapped. Does anyone want to get on that?" <laughs> We've tried doing nothing, and we're all out of ideas. <laughs> Boom, second meme for this episode. <laughs> and then, while Victoria is Varga's captive, I'm conflicted. Because she acts very Susan-ish a lot. A lot of cowering. A lot of smaller screams peppered out. 
Um, but at the same time, she's also able to work through that fear and her natural curiosity is coming through and she like is asking him a whole lot of questions to the point where he's like, you need to stop talking because I'm asking the questions. And she's just like, sorry, I'm just naturally curious. So why are you green? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think I like Victoria more because I feel like I mean I like I like Victoria more than Susan. That's that's not a, that's not a debate. Hi, me again. It's at this point we begin debating how justified Victoria is to be frightened of Varga, but we ultimately decide that she takes enough action into her own hands and takes enough opportunities to fight back and try to escape that it's fine, even if they do have Lego hands, which Caleb apparently didn't know, so I had to show him a picture. I then talk about how the villain, Varga, is surprisingly reasonable. He wants to get his people out of the snow so he can take them and go home. Victoria suggests that he work with the scientists to help him locate them and dig his ship out, but Varga throws back that the humans would just want to keep him as a curiosity and a test subject, which they absolutely would, let's be honest. So he wants to free his brothers first and get some weapons so that when he does negotiate with the humans, he can do so from a place of strength, which, again... Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. And I love Varga. He's definitely going to be in my running for my favorite villain when we do Doctor is Out. But the fact that he is reptilian and constantly hisses while he talks, and also doesn't talk, will probably knock him down a couple of points, because that is super annoying. There's also a moment where it seems like Varga successfully kills Clint. Unfortunately, it turns out he didn't, but overall, I think the story is going pretty well so far. It's tense on several different fronts and had a great villain. What could go wrong? Tune in to hear how it goes wrong. As bad as, like, Susan's, like, shrill screaming was, like, that wasn't ultimately what was wrong with her character. Uh, Susan's problem was, like, she did just kind of stand around and wait to get rescued most of the time. Whereas, like, I feel like Victoria, particularly in this episode, any chance she gets to kind of, like, take stuff into her own hands, she does. The moment she can get away, she takes it, and she calls for help a lot. And, like, she's not quite, oh, she's definitely not, like, Vicky or even Barb. But I feel like there's a, there's her, like, reacting in a moment, and then she is, like, thinking about how to make the situation better. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I mean, like, I would be cowery, but also they wouldn't show men being cowery. Wait, do they have do they have Lego hands? Oh, I did not see that. I saw their Viking helmets. Oh god. Lego hands. <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> oh no. Are you gonna clamp me? <laughs> And he does it by saying, like, yes, I'm going to thaw out my friends, and we're going to go home. And also, kind of, if I feel like it, I might invade Earth again. I don't know. We'll see when I get there. <laughs> I will invade Earth if Ross and Rachel don't end up together. <laughs> There's a lot of Futurama references in this podcast about Doctor Who. <laughs> Varg is just great. Perfect villain, really. Yeah, this man, the, this alien understands humanity better than humans do. <laughs> then he takes it one step further and one step more base, being like, I have to destroy Earth because they're British. If they know I exist, they will invade us. <laughs> the imperialism jokes will never end on this podcast. 
super, super annoying. Yeah, that's right, because, like, he's got Victoria hidden in, like, a broom closet, and then they, like, finally, like, break out of the base. Yeah, Clint gets off too easy in this arc. For the most part, they do. It really has that issue of, like, back end of episode four through episode five is just very padded. It could have done with some cutting. I think this episode, I think this arc could have been four episodes long because they could have cut out two characters at least entirely and nothing would have changed. Yeah, so I can kind of see that. But also it just feels it just feels like they're padding it out. So and again, the two characters I'm talking about cutting out actually contribute nothing to the plot, really. And they set up a subplot that is not in any way addressed. <laughs> episode three. There's some sort of subplot about the scientists being computerized, but I lost track of it. The Ice Warriors are all thawed out, and they want to keep Victoria as bait for the scientists at the base. The Doctor works out some issues, and is indignant when asked to show his work. Arden and Jamie finally make their way out on the ice, where they are ambushed and seemingly killed by Varga and his gang. Jamie's body is discovered by a, name, by a man named Penley, who drags him off when he realizes the man is still alive. Victoria breaks away from the Ice Warriors and uses a communication device to contact the Doctor. Varga appears, intent on shooting Victoria. So at the top of this podcast episode, I have to explain to Caleb what a metaphor is, because the plot point he mentions about a couple of people not wanting to be computerized is actually them just not wanting to live in a society that is completely dictated by a machine. Not literally computerized. But the scientist Garrett says she needs one of those two people to help, and that person is Penley. At the beginning of the episode, Jamie and Arden are getting ready to head out into the cold, and Jamie complains about how Clint has a stick up his ass and isn't thinking about the people around him. And he and the doctor have this exchange. Doctor. Well, he's a scientist and inclined to have his head in the air, you know the like. And then Jamie, staring daggers at the doctor, says, Aye, I certainly do. Which I thought was a funny exchange. I then comment about how Clint shows a shred of humanity where he reassures Arden that it's not his fault the people have died from this ice warrior and, and that if the roles were reversed, he probably would have done the same, bringing the ice warrior back to the base. Now, I hope you enjoy that moment of humanity from Clint because that's the beginning and end of it. During the conversation between Garrett and Penley, Garrett implores that Clint needs Penley, and Penley says the second coolest line in this entire episode. He says, he doesn't need me. He only needs a mirror, preferably rose-tinted. Brilliant. Perfect. No notes. After this very dramatic scene, it immediately cuts to the doctor working on the ionizer with the most upbeat, jaunty working tune, and it gave me tonal whiplash. While talking about the scene where the doctor gets indignant that they need to check his work against the computer, claiming that it should be the other way around, I go into an anecdote about how I would get into arguments with my math teachers because I would never show my work because I was very good at mental math. So I related to his struggles. At the end of the episode, one of Varga's soldiers asks why they're letting Victoria get a word of warning to the humans, and it seems to vaguely imply that he wants them to feel fear before he destroys them, which is just so fucking cool, and I love him. Ooh, will she make it? So, um, yeah, this episode kind of opens with Garrett, one of the, the female scientists, she, like, ambushes these two, like, vagrants who are living outside the base. And they're like, we don't want to be computerized. And she's like, too fucking bad. And 
Yeah, one of the oh yeah, one of them is Penley. So when he said computerized, well, he's just like talking, like referring to them, like depending on the computer, because I interpret it as like they're like taking the smartest people and like putting them in the computer. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes more sense. I one hundred percent misinterpreted that scene. I thought I thought there was some like evil plot where the computer was just absorbing people's brains. That just that just uh did not develop into anything. I was like I was like. That's almost a cooler concept than everything that happens in this episode. And <laughs> that just didn't get brought up again. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Jamie's just like, I don't know what you're talking about, Doctor. I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> Especially ones that are arrogant and caught up in their own hubris and almost get everyone around them killed. Never experienced it. Not once. The beginning and the end. <laughs> And then, uh, then we gotta talk to the big part of this episode, where like, the 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 shocker for me, Arden and Jamie are out. They're walking in the snow. They're getting readings for something, but they're also looking for Victoria. And Vargan is getting just show up and blast them. <laughs> and I, and it's like Arden, Arden and Jamie fall over. I was like, holy shit! They just killed Jamie. <laughs> uh, I, I I was like, for one, bravo, good job. But also not Jamie. Like I want I want a companion to die a horrible death, but not Jamie. <laughs> Jamie is actually too good. Writing that down. But yeah, so he's working on all that, and then he's like, oh, I think I've solved the problem. And Clint is like, well, how'd you do it? Like, explain it to me. Or rather, he's saying, submit it to the computer for approval. And the doctor's like, fuck you. I don't have to show my work. It works. Why are you booing me? The answer's right, Mac, but you didn't show them. You didn't, you didn't draw the line on the map. But yeah, so the, the the doctor just refuses to show his work, which is hilarious and 100% in character, even if the computer wasn't part of the antagonism. It could have been a perfectly reasonable conversation, everyone being rational the whole time, and the doctor 100% still would have done that. Well, how did you do it? Uh, fuck you, that's how I did it. But yeah. Oh god, I don't think I have any other notes on this episode, because otherwise it's, otherwise it's just, yeah... Victoria gets away for a second to, like, warn everyone, and then the fucking Ice Warriors are gonna blast her. <laughs> nah, this'll really get him. <laughs> Varga is just great. <laughs> Did we have a favorite villain category in The Last Doctor is Out? Oh, that's right. Am I, am, was mine Wotan? The Animals? <laughs> my fucking favorite episode. I should put Wet Plant as my number one just to piss you off. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm reading episode four now. <laughs> Varga changes his mind and spares Victoria and is mad when she doesn't understand rocket science. Victoria escapes again and the doctor makes some kind of Martian poison and heads out to find Victoria. The Martians realize they need more fuel to power their ship and think they may be able to find some on the base. The doctor finds Jamie with Penley while another man named Storr saves Victoria from an avalanche. When he learns the Ice Warriors are opposed to the scientists, he takes her to them. However, they are very grateful and kill him. The Doctor makes his way to the Martian ship where Varga traps him in the airlock and slowly drains the oxygen out. It's at this point in the episode that the hissing of the Ice Warriors is starting to get on my nerves. You've heard us complain about how it's difficult for us to differentiate between the characters and audio episodes before. But that's nothing compared to the Ice Warriors. I genuinely believe the episode would be stronger for it if it was just Varga and none of the other warriors were there. 
I then get angry at Clint yelling at Victoria to describe the engines to him over the radio. I understand he needs to know what kind of engine it is so he can ask the computer if it's alright to activate the ionizer without blowing everyone up, but she's a literal child and clearly doesn't know anything about machines. Yelling at her is not the way to get what you want. I didn't really have a whole lot of notes for this episode, as it mostly felt like a bunch of standing around and talking about what they're going to do next without actually doing anything. Yep, uh, yeah, it ended up becoming a lot, because it's <laughs> back and forth. Uh, they're big in metal. <laughs> it's time for Clint to die. <laughs> um, yeah, because, like, Varga also kind of grills her at one point in the episode, because uh, because he's trying to find out what kind of fuel the base runs on. And he asks Victoria, he's like, what fuel do they use? And she's like, I don't know, the kind that turns the lights on? <laughs> And they're like, fine, I will, after I blow up their base. Um, and then the doctor runs into Penley and Store and Jamie. And then I don't remember what motivates them to, but Penley and Jamie and the doctor leave. And then Store finds uh, Victoria out in the ice because she tried to get away. Oh, that's right, that's right. Runs into Victoria and then is like, Oh, it's like the Ice Warriors do hate the scientists. So we're definitely going that way. And then he shows up and he's like, I want to help you beat the scientists. And the and Varga's like, no, blast them. Blam. Bring me someone with a good Scottish accent. <laughs> I I want a moment of like, in 10 seconds, I'm going to do this. Make it five, three, take it or leave it. <laughs> I I think I could do more. <laughs> I think I could do more SpongeBob and Futurama references in every episode, actually. <laughs> Mac is going to get on the day this episode uploads, and there's just going to be 30 memes about the episode. <laughs> yeah, I have the least amount of notes for the next episode, because uh, I really feel like these those two episodes should be combined. Yes, episode five. The Doctor agrees to help them fix their ship in exchange for his life. He learns they think the Ionizer is a weapon and wants to use, and they want to use it as such. He threatens them, saying his friends will use the Ionizer on the ship if they don't hear from him. Penley is attacked by a bear. The Doctor is forced to reveal the fuel source for the base, and the Ice Warriors plan to attack. Jamie shows up at the base and tries to beat up Clint. The Doctor uses the noxious gas he made on the Martians, and one of them passes out but not before pressing the big fire button for the gun they have aimed at the base. Maybe this is just me being hopelessly naive and optimistic, but it really does feel like there's no reason for the humans and the ice warriors to be at odds. They both want to get rid of the ice and help the ship leave. They can talk or shoot out any issues they have after that. Cross that bridge when they come to it, you know? Speaking of humans and Ice Warriors coming to an understanding, I talk about how later in the series it's revealed what Ice Warriors look like without their helmet, and I know more than a couple of monster fuckers who would be down to clown with these fools. It seemed that Penley was having difficulty shooting the bear that was attacking Jamie, either because of morals or because he's a lousy shot. Either way, I make the point that he should just hand the rifle to the Highlander because I'll bet he hunted big hairy beasties like this for fun. Oh, also, Jamie is paralyzed from the waist down at the moment. We forgot to mention that. Speaking of spineless men, Clint. Why is Clint here? 
His one and only job is to get in everyone's way by preventing them from doing anything without the computer say so. His complete and total dependency on the computer implies either a character arc where he learns to think for himself, or a moment of comeuppance where he dies due to his dependency on the computer. Neither happens. The Ice Warriors keep threatening to kill Victoria, which proves they do not have any sort of real negotiating skills, because if they do kill Victoria, they've got no bargaining chips left. They might be keeping her around to help them if they go back to the base, though, because Kayla makes the point that she never really points out that she's not with the science team, and that may be the only thing keeping her alive. When Jamie and Penley get back to the base, I remark how much I love Jamie's devotion to Victoria and the Doctor, because he basically kicks down the door and starts shouting at people to launch a rescue mission to save them from the Ice Warriors. Also, when they get back to the base, it is clear there is some sort of sexual tension between Penley and Clint. They, at the very least, dated, and you can feel it in the air. Meanwhile, on the Ice Warrior ship, Victoria is once again using what would normally be annoying traits to her advantage. She begins crying hysterically to distract a guard while the doctor works on perfecting his gas bomb, and she uses her handkerchief to cover up the fact that he's handing it to her. It's very cool, and I love Victoria. The Doctor has created this gas bomb that is relatively harmless to humans, but could prove fatal to the Ice Warriors. The Doctor is showing his pacifist tendencies when he refuses to take a gun from the base, but is more than willing to strap a bandolier of grenades and a gas mask to himself. The Doctor detests violence unless he knows that the violent he's going to be cause will net him a 100% chance of victory. Well, they do have that conversation in the next episode, and it goes colossally wrong. <laughs> if you could all just stop being assholes for a second. Yeah, there's a lot of xenophobia in this episode. Everyone's instantly distrustful of the green guys. And the, the green guys are like, look at these disgusting peach-colored people. <laughs> Squishy. You could crush them with your Lego hands. <laughs> Tell me about the Lego hands. What can they hold on to? <laughs> Max is too horny to finish the episode. We gotta come back tomorrow. And those big dorky helmets. Jamie's already sharpening a spear. <laughs> oh yeah, Jamie's paralyzed. Temporarily. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about these like these future men, Mac. It's ba it's bad when I listen to uh, I've had this complaint before like the first doctor. It's bad when I listen to like What's supposed to be the ideal race of, like, we have no war, no conflict. I'm like, oh my god, you're all such pussies. <laughs> yep, Clint is the worst. He's like Butters from South Park. Oh, hamburgers. <laughs> but they don't know. They seem to think Victoria works for the base. And she never really does anything to clarify otherwise. <laughs> She's like, yes. All my friends at the base would be horrified if I died. <laughs> I know. Jamie is just incredible. I mean, he just comes in and just takes charge. <laughs> I know. Man, I, I do love Ben, but I really think now that Jamie has kind of like been on his own for a little bit, Jamie might end up being my favorite companion. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you can learn about their history in our fanfic remake. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm rewriting the episode, the strong man from the cyber, the Tomb of the Cybermen episode would also be a companion with his robot arm. 
Oh yeah, the Gaspon, that's right. She's using her womanly wiles against us. <laughs> Just open it. Uh, I, I I thought that was interesting too, because like in the last episode, he's like making this fucking mustard gas against the ice warriors and um he's getting ready to go out to find victoria and they're like you should take a gun and he's like no 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 i don't need a weapon as he carries a fucking weapon of mass destruction in his backpack i'm a pacifist <laughs> i i detest violence a fucking gas mask <laughs> oh god so yeah the doctor detests violence unless he knows he can kill multiple people at once then he's all about it <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, that's also all I got for that episode. It ends with them like knocking one of them out, and like the big gun on the Martian ship is aiming towards the base, and I think it fires. But episode, yeah, it does fire because my first line is episode six. Only part of the base was destroyed, but Varga threatens to fire again unless the base concedes to his demands. Clint refuses to take any advice except from the computer, which is kind of being a big pussy. Varga and his crew meet on the base to try and negotiate, but that quickly falls apart when one of the crew attacks them. Victoria and the Doctor alter the giant sonic gun on the Martian ship so that it will only affect fluids. He thinks the Ice Warriors have more liquid in them, which for some reason makes them more affected by the sonic gun. They fire and both the humans and Ice Warriors collapse from the blast. The Doctor returns to the base to find that the Ice Warriors have returned to their ship, and after short-circuiting the computer, uses it to blow up uses the ionizer to blow the ship up. Clint goes to thank the Doctor, but the Travelers have wasted no time getting out of there and going back to the TARDIS. The episode opens with a character that has had maybe two lines freaking the fuck out and saying that he can't follow the computer's advice of doing nothing. The computer is just doing the option that's the least likely to get itself killed. And if they're going to survive at all, the crazy man says, they're going to need to figure out a way to fight back to reach a stalemate if not defeat the Ice Warriors completely. And I believe that the man panicking wildly and hysterically makes some solid points. The Doctor's plan to use the sonic gun on the base to defeat the Ice Warriors has the chance of also harming the humans. He thinks it will do more damage to the warriors than the humans, but he doesn't know for certain. But he knows that if he does nothing, the humans will definitely die. I make the point that this is a reflection of the exact same decisions that Clint had to make, but unlike Clint, the Doctor is willing to take the risk for the good of those around him. Also, while the Doctor is doing his science rambling, Victoria is right next to him saying everything in layman's terms for the audience which is greatly appreciated. Meanwhile, over at the base, the humans and the Ice Warriors are at a standoff, and Varga says the most badass line. Clint says, you're going to regret this, Varga, and Varga responds with, perhaps, but at least I will live to regret it. Oh my god, so cool. Varga then proceeds to walk away from an explosion without looking at it and doing a sick kickflip while dabbing. True story. After that, Caleb and I are a little unclear on how exactly the Doctor defeats the Ice Warriors. It seems like they activate the engines on their ship, but we were pretty sure that they still needed fuel? But the Doctor seems to have tampered with the engines to heat up the ship. But then they're reptilian, so you'd think they would prefer the heat to the cold. I don't know. Who knows? Not us. And then the episode just kind of... stops... Doctor and Jamie just pull a Batman and leave with the scientists wondering where they are. 
Yeah, it's it's just some other guy who has not been introduced until this episode, and he's like, we gotta kill the Martians. And they're like, who the fuck are you again? <laughs> he was actually a time traveler sent from a time where the Ice Warriors conquered Earth, and he's like, we gotta do it now. Yeah, that's called a foil. <laughs> yeah, and his reasoning is like really bizarre. He's like, I think the Ice Warriors... Uh, are denser and have more fluid in them than humans. I was like, why the fuck do you think that, Doctor? What has what has led you to that conclusion? <laughs> they were in the ice. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that was my thought. When he was explaining it, I was like, he has literally no reason to think that. <laughs> it's just something that kind of popped into his brain. Oh, yeah. Oh. This time, Mac and I are booting for the villains. They're like, yeah, fuck it. Blow them all up. Kill them. I agree. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that was a good line. That was a good line. <laughs> Damn. I also really like that scene because, like, uh, Varga and Clint meet to, like, negotiate or whatever. And Harrison just goes crazy and tries to attack and, you know, Varga kills him. And Cl I, I see Clint, like, fall watching that guy's body fall and it's turning to Varga and saying, that wasn't supposed to happen, actually. Because <laughs> he actually basically says that. He's like, whoops, I, I, we actually didn't mean to do that. And then the doctor shoots the big gun. Uh, it doesn't work because the ice warriors are gone by the time they get back to the base. And then, uh, and then yeah, then they blow up the ship because the Martians realize, like, oh, wait, actually, we do have enough fuel to get home. So, like, this whole fucking four-episode arc... Yeah, I, I I kind of interpret that as like, oh, whoops, yeah, actually, it, like it turns out fine. It, it, like we've got we've totally got enough to run home because I thought that was the whole point. I was like they needed fuel from the base. Activate. I don't know. You think they'd want the warm? But also they are from Mars, which is colder. So maybe they're Uno. Re it's it's reverse climate change. They're reverse lizards. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't help that, like, we're watching it, or listening to it and not watching it. But uh, something happens where, like, oh, actually, the ship is fine, and it can go home. And then they just blast it out of the fucking air. <laughs> yeah, like, like literally, Cl Clint turns around, and the Doctor and the Companions are gone. <laughs> yeah, that was my thoughts. I know. I was, I was surprised. I went through a phase, probably in, like, episode four to five, where I thought jamie wasn't gonna be around for the end of the arc like that he was leaving on this one because i felt like he wasn't in the episode a whole lot trivia not a lot deborah watling was on vacation during the filming of episode six so the doctor had to tell her to go back to the tardis off screen and they used a pre-recorded message so that she agrees and Derek Martinus, the director, insisted that every actor who plays the ice warrior be at least six feet tall he says that some of the people who showed up to audition were, quote, very dubious gentlemen with prison records. <laughs> That's funny. Victoria, you are definitely there off screen. Go back to the TARDIS. Final thoughts. I enjoyed this episode for the most part. I definitely feel like it had a stronger start than it did a finish, because after a while it really just started to feel like a bunch of people standing around talking about what they should do rather than doing it, which you could argue is the theme of the episode, what with the dependency on the computer and everything. 
But considering no one learns a lesson from that, it doesn't really feel intentional. Varga is a top-tier villain and is definitely in the running for my favorite evil villain during The Doctor Is Out. His constant hissing is definitely a downside, but man, that one-liner almost completely makes up for it. It also felt weird how the episode just kind of stopped, and there's no real character development on the part of, let's be real, the actual protagonist of this story, Clint. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I, I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good episode. It just has the same issues that all the audio dramas too. That like, it's hard to tell who people are. Uh, the pacing dragged in like the back half, but that that's frankly a criticism of all the six episode arcs. Wanted Varga to win. <laughs> Didn't even learn anything. Didn't even realize like, wow, there wasn't even a line of wow. I shouldn't have listened to the computer for literally everything. But yeah, that's uh, that's really all I've all I've got. No, it's not bad at face points. Wait, what? Nope. <sighs> nope. I'm gonna keep it. <sighs> I'm gonna go to sleep. <sighs> it was alright. <laughs> no, it wasn't better than the faceless ones. There. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to follow Mac and I specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMeh and Caleb at CLB underscore Clark. You can also subscribe to Mac's YouTube channel, also called Mac the Meh, where he does insightful videos about video games. Join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we get to see the episode that pushes Patrick Troughton's acting chops to the furthest they've ever been in The Enemy of the World. Yeah.